But how many know you can lead your family in praise? You can lead your family in exalting God and showing them the way and showing them that everything they do, they lift up the name of the Lord because he's glorious and highly exalted. I think of Deborah, who was one of the judges of Israel. She stood in authority. And how many know women, God has not made you to be subservient. God has not made you to live underneath the rule and tyranny of a man. But God has made you to lead and to be in authority. Come on, women. God, you can walk into your job. You can walk into places with your head held high and say, I am who God says I am. I'm walking tall because God is on the inside of me. My pastor always used to say, you are who God says you are. And the world will try to label you. The world will try to pin things on you. The world will try to pin your past on you. How many know women, God, the world tries to pin your past on you. So I say, well, you didn't have this. You didn't do this. You don't have this. You don't have this education. You don't have this experience. You don't have this knowledge. But it doesn't matter because when God is on the inside of you, he can make you strong and powerful. Just like Deborah, where you can walk tall with your head held high. So I want to encourage you, ladies, mothers, men, to go forth in the authority that God has called you to be. Because if he's on the inside of you, greater is he that's in you than the whole world that is against you. Women should be leaders in praise. Women should be leaders in authority. I think of Esther. The queen who took her life in her own hands to plead for her people that were facing great doom. But what she did was she said, I'm going to put down my wants, put down my needs, and I'm going to go forth for my people. How many know if that's not a true picture of a godly woman or a mother, I don't know what anything is. I heard someone say the other day, they said, you know, when we were little growing up, it's like we just had enough food. There wasn't a lot of food prepared, but it seemed like everybody ate, everybody was filled. And we are talking about portion size at restaurants now. You know, every time you go somewhere, they give you this big old portion. That's why we look like this, because the portions are so big. I moved to Texas and gained 30, 40 pounds because everything's big in Texas, especially the preachers. Come on. (laughs) And I wonder, people said, well, why is it that when we were younger, we only had one chicken for the whole family? Come on, you remember that? You made one chicken and it fed the whole family. You made this and you had all the sides and everything. I said, the reason was because mama made sure everybody else ate first. And many of us never saw our mother eat or grandmothers they were constantly serving people. They were constantly um, fixing everybody else's plate. And I used to think, oh, they're just so sacrificial. They're just giving and they wanted to put everybody else first. But then I realized that they're nibbling the whole time that they're cooking. That it's not that they're being so gracious, but they're already full by the time they fix everybody else's plate. Because they're, they're sampling and nibbling the whole time. But I see that women have always been, especially mothers, just said, I'm going to put down my life for others. Come on, how many know your mom or maybe you as a mother? You said, there's things that I sacrificed because I wanted my children to make it. I wanted to pull my children back so they would go farther than I ever went. The Bible says that children are like arrows. 
And so for an arrow to go far, it has to be pulled back. And some of you said, you know what? I put things down. I laid careers aside. My own mother, I know that she worked so hard. She went to school to be a travel agent and she was top of her class and she did such good job with that. She memorized all this stuff. She worked so hard and she wasn't young when she started doing it. She started later in life doing this and she did so good. She drove back and forth to about an hour and a half to, to Columbus. What? Yeah, she drove back and forth, just just sacrificing to do this, to make a better life for her, and to fulfill a desire that she wanted to do. And then, right in the midst of that, my sister came along. She got pregnant with my sister, and because of... I can say this because my wife got the same diagnosis. Because of advanced maternal age, (laughs) because of different things, she had to stay at home. She was on bed rest. And here she was. She had worked so hard to do this. And they wanted her to take this job in Columbus. And we would have had to move and do all this. She was driving back and forth. And then she had to put that aside for my sister and for our family. And I've never forgotten that. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your hard work and, and your efforts to try to better yourself and do things. But just like Esther, she said, I'm going to put down my wants. I'm going to put my life aside because I want my children to go further. I want my children to be taken care of. And many of you mothers here today, you have had to put things aside. You've had to lay down your own wants and wishes and desires. But I'm telling you, God sees that. And you know what? That makes you a woman and a mother of honor. Come on, somebody say amen to them. I think of mother-in-laws. And, uh, since my wife and my mother are sitting here and they have a wonderful relationship, you know, I can honestly say we were a little nervous moving my mother out here and thinking, okay, have her move in with us. We thought, how in the world is this going to go? We've all heard mother-in-law stories from nightmares for years, and I thought, how is this going to work? But I tell you what, they have the best relationship. We have not had any major issues, and I'm reminded in the book of Ruth of Naomi, who put God first place. She put God first place, and because of that, her daughter-in-law decided, I'm going to follow God. Come on, somebody. And you You might be here and you say, there's some children. Maybe they're not my children. Maybe my sons or my daughters have married someone and I'm just not sure about their upbringing, but I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to show them a godly example. And because of that, I'm going to believe that they're going to change. I see Rita here and I know that you have stood in the gap for years and you've said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you've done it with some tenacity. And I know that there's been times when you're children may not have been in the the best uh, situations but you said uh-uh nothing's gonna I, I'm gonna do it in my in my Chicano voice <laughs> she's uh-uh ain't nothing gonna stop me from being mama right <laughs> and she stands firm and she is that woman of God and I believe that women have seen that young girls have seen your example and they've seen how it is and because of that they're gonna follow and I just want to encourage you today to stand strong in everything that you do. Somebody say biblical motherhood. The Bible says to start children off in the way they should go. And even when they're old, they won't turn from it. Proverbs 22, 
6. Or train up a child in the way they should go. Your first and foremost job as a mother is to train your children. And you know you might think, well, pastor, I didn't do the best job. Maybe I wasn't serving the Lord. Maybe things weren't perfect in my life and I messed up. Or maybe I didn't have the best training. Or I look at my children now and I think, dear God, did I do anything right? (laughs) Sometimes I look at my children and I think, dear God. (laughs) And I realize what it is. It's my mother speaking words over me years ago that says, one day I hope you have children just like you. (laughs) I hope you have a house full to act just like you. And now I'm reaping the benefits of that. Amen. But whatever it is, I want you to know that if you do your job in training your children up, your first ministry, and making sure that they're going the way that God has for them. And let me tell you this, it doesn't matter if your child is nine months old, if your child is four years old, or if your child is 44 years old. You can start now. Somebody say amen to that. Start right now training them in the way they should go. And we have to know that children, we raise our children to know Christ. And when they know him, everything else will fall in line. Some might say amen to that. And then one day, if you're doing the Bible promises and you're leading them in the Bible way, one day they're going to rise up and call you blessed. Some of you say, I'm waiting for that day. (laughs) I think of uh, Brother Lynn and I think of his children that that call him on a weekly, daily basis and just love on him and and think the world of him. And and we've had conversations say, man, I didn't do the best job as a father. I, I wasn't the best, but I did my best. And I tell you what, and what he's done, which I think is so amazing, is he said, no matter what the past was, I'm going to make sure right now that I'm doing the best. And I encourage some of you as parents, say right now, I'm going to do the best. It doesn't matter what the past looked like, but I'm going to do the best because I want them to rise up and call me blessed. I've taught this scripture for years. I've read it as a children's and youth minister. And I thought, you know what, God, that sounds good when you're teaching. But how many know it doesn't always feel good when you're in the midst of raising children and they've gone astray? Somebody say, let's get real. You know, you think it's one thing to preach that. It's one thing to print that on the wall of the nursery. It's one thing to say that at the baby dedication service. But it's a whole nother level when my children are gone astray. When I don't know what's going on with them. When I want to cast the devil out of them. When I want to lay hands on them repeatedly and suddenly. Come on somebody. And you think, what in the world's going on? Maybe I didn't do the best. But God dropped this revelation down in my spirit a little bit bit ago and he said it's just like a gps when you put coordinates in a gps and you say this is the way to get to this place it starts charting a course for you and here is your starting point here's your final destination and it starts charting a course and yesterday we're driving to the golf course and i'm going and all of a sudden i'm driving and i'm listening and then we're talking and all of a sudden i thought i don't want to go that way i'm going to go this way and so i ignore the gps come on somebody 
And I go my own way because I know better than the voice I'm hearing. And how many know that's a picture of raising children up, training children up in the way they should go? We say, this is how you should go. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to go. This is what God's word says. But how many know children have a tendency to say, you know what? I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to listen to the voice. I'm going to go my own way because I think I know best. But we've heard it for years. Father and mother knows best. (laughs) And our Heavenly Father knows best. And many times we get out and we end up going the wrong way. Brother Lynn and I were going somewhere a couple weeks ago. and, And he's telling me, the voice of wisdom, the voice of experience. He says, now I think you ought to go down this way. And I say, no, no, I can see ahead there. I know that I can get around there. I've taken this way before. He says, yeah, but I think it'd be easier if you just go this way. No, I can see it. Look right up there. I'll go. We'll be fine. I know but I think you should I'm going to do my own thing and we head into gridlock (laughs) horrible traffic and we're running late and here we are no end in sight and I'm sitting there thinking I should have listened to reason but I wasn't about to admit it right then I was going to fight this and that's what our children do we tell them the way to go and they say no no I'm not going to believe it I'm not going to listen to you I know what I'm doing and eventually I end up backing up about a mile and a half don't ever do this if you're a police officer and you're watching it wasn't me I backed up the ramp and went off off roading and had to do it again the other it was horrible and we get off the road and then the traffic starts going I said unbelievable again a lesson in patience and I'm telling you the thing about that is the final destination never changed somebody's gonna get blessed right there The final destination never changed. Now we had to go through some rough stuff. We had to make some patches, make some turnarounds. You might have even got stuck. There might have been some damage to the vehicle. We might have been late, but we ended up at the final destination. And I want to prophesy today, some of you that have trained up your children in the way they should go, or some of you that are praying and believing that they'll grow up in the way they should go, and right now they're doing their own thing. I'm speaking the word of the Lord, that they will reach their final destination. They will get there if you trust and believe in Jesus' name. you believe that say amen and I want to talk to you real quick I'm going to go through here and knock off a couple um, examples in the Bible of true biblical motherhood and God gave this to me today and I want to see how it can help us I want you to say time trust and test Time, trust, and test. And as I was developing this, I just heard this in my spirit, that these mothers had to go through these three different things. And every one of us have the same opportunity with our children, the same opportunity to see God do something. Time. When we think of time in raising children as mothers and fathers, there's time waiting for children to come. How many remember those days of just waiting? You know, maybe one day we'll have children. Well, and some of us had children before, <laughs> before time. Come on. Some of you had children. You had to wait for time. Somebody ran out of time. Somebody didn't have enough time. But you had your children. You're waiting. Even during that gestational period when you're waiting for them to come and you're just speaking over them. I see mothers walking around and I would bring Ariane up here, but I don't want to embarrass her on camera. But I would see mothers, they walk around and they're constantly rubbing their belly. Anytime you talk to Ariane for more than 30 seconds, her hands are going to automatically go there. I do the same thing. 
So I understand. I, my food baby right there. And you know, you start talking and her hands go there and she just starts rubbing. She just starts talking because what they're doing is you're believing God for that baby. How many mothers remember that? When that baby's growing on the inside of you, you're speaking over it, you're praying, you're believing that they're going to fulfill the call of God on their life. You're believing that they're going to come to full term. You're believing that everything's going to work out for their good. You spent time praying for their growth and praying for the potential and praying that they would be protected. You spend that time waiting for them. And then there's the time preparing them and training them to go in the right direction. Teaching them how to do what's right. Right now, you know, we're at that stage where Angelisa's favorite thing to do is now shake her head. And she does it on cue. She does it right. She knows yes and no. Look, she just shook her head no. She knows yes and no. She knows what's right. She knows what's wrong. And we're starting to tell her, you can't do that. She's playing the game with her pacifier and everything. Oh, takes it out, leans it over the chair, and drops it because it's fun. And she knows we're going to get it. We're going to go clean it off, give it back to her. She take it out, drop it again. And we say, no, no, Lisey, no, no. What we're doing is we're training them. We're, spending, we're investing time in there. Everybody say time. And those times are so important because what you're doing is you're connecting with your children. You're spending time with them. And then trust. Trust is this. It's knowing God is working even when we can't see anything happening. I want to say that again. Trust is knowing God is working even when we can't see anything happening. And there's many of us that are in life today and we just have to trust God because we have to say, God, I believe that you're doing something. I know you're working on my behalf. Even though I look around, I don't see anything happening. I remember when the baby was in the the womb and we'd go to the doctor's office and they would say, well, she's growing at this. She's about this size. She's about that size. Everything looks good. And we just had to trust them. Even when they showed us Come on, is anybody else like me? Even when they showed us, I'm looking at that ultrasound and I'm like, huh? I just take your word for it. They're measuring and pointing and I'm like, it all looks like a Warshak test to me. (laughs) It just looks like a blob. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Oh, look, that's her eyes. Okay, if you say it is. Look, that's her hand. Yeah, sure, sure it is. I don't know anything. But I'm telling you, I'm trusting them that everything is working out. Everything is being perfect. And we have to trust and know that mother's prayers over children, they haven't heard. When you've been praying, Praying for your children, you haven't heard from them in hours. You haven't heard from them in days. You haven't heard from them in weeks, months, years. You haven't heard their voice. You don't know if they're okay. You don't know if they're spiritually okay. But you've been praying and you've been trusting God that you will hear my prayers. I know when I speak over my children, I know when I pray for them, I'm trusting that you hear them. This is where trust comes in, to know that God is faithful. Standing firm on God's promises, that he who began a good work in them is faithful to complete it. Hallelujah. Those things that you prayed over when you had your hands on your belly, know that even though you don't see it right now, trust that God is doing it. And then the test. One of the greatest ways to show honor and belief to God is after we've sung it, after we've quoted it, after we've preached it, 
is sowing a seed that's precious and powerful. And I know right now some of you think I'm getting ready to take up an offering, but I'm not. I'm talking about sowing the seed that's most valuable to you. And as mothers, the most important thing in your life is your children. And you sow them back to God and believe for a great harvest in and through their life. And I want to encourage some of the moms and some of the children here today. And that as we sow time, trust, and the test, it's worth it. And you're going to see the blessings untold. Number one, I want to talk to you real quick about Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now imagine Sarah. Here she was waiting for a child. That was the time she put in. She's waiting and believing. And there's a promise. And then she laughs. She says, come on. She laughed at the prospect but she believed in the promise. Come on, somebody. And some of you today might be like Sarah, where you're laughing at the fact of things are going to work out this way, but you've got to believe. Sometimes we look at situations, we look at our children, we look at tests that we go through, and we think, I don't know that it's going to work out. If someone says that, I can't even believe it's going to end up that way. But if you'll believe the promise, it doesn't matter what the prospect looks like. Come on, somebody. Because God is faithful. And here's Sarah was she went through the time she went through the trial and she believed God and then all of a sudden imagine here it comes she trusted God he delivers a son the son of promise and then I don't know now I'm using a little conjecture here and the gift of speculation but I can imagine Sarah sitting around when Abraham is getting ready to take Isaac to sacrifice him Here's my child of promise. Here's the child I've believed for for years. It finally came and all of a sudden I see Abraham getting ready. And I know when he has that look in his eyes. Come on. How many know that you know when your spouse has that look in their eyes that they're getting ready to do something crazy? Come on. When I come into Pastor April and I say, you know what? I've been thinking. (laughs) She knows that a lot of hard work is getting ready to come. And a lot of crazy ideas are getting ready to come. And imagine Sarah seeing Abraham with that look. God's getting ready to do something big. God's going to provide. And Abraham's older right now. He's, He's not as sharp as he used to be. And he goes and he grabs the knife. It's a little shaky. He grabs the rope. And he grabs the wood. And he grabs Isaac. And he's got that look in his eyes. And Sarah's saying, wait, wait, where are you going? You don't, Abraham, you're not going to do what I think you're going to do. And he just says, we're going to worship the Lord. Now imagine the test of her faith. The test of her trust. Saying, I'm going to show that. And believe that God's going to take care of him. And many of you, your children are maybe away from God, maybe they're out of your control, but you've stood, you've believed, you've prayed, you've seen God do a miracle where you shouldn't have even had children, where the doctor told you it was impossible, or where you thought you would never have a relationship with them, but all of a sudden, God's brought something back together, and now you're in this place, and the word's been spoken to you of what's going to come from that relationship, but you think, that looks impossible, because right now, I don't even have a relationship with them, but hold on, believe God. Stand firm through that test and through that trial. And you're going to see the hand of God take place in your life. Somebody say amen. I think of Jochebed of old. I think of Moses' mother. Here the edict goes out that we're to kill every male child. And you know, we think about this, and we think about the um, soldiers coming and killing them. But how many know... 
It could have been that they had to kill them. You think about that. They didn't have enough soldiers. They just, the edict came out that every male child that was born had to be killed. Isn't that crazy? And here, Jacobed says, I'm not doing that. I've waited. I've got a promise. Now she had two other children before that, but she knew this one, there was something special about this child. And she said, I'm going to hide him for three months. Can you imagine hiding a newborn for three months? Come on. I can't even keep my baby quiet when I'm on the phone. Come on. I was on the phone with somebody doing business the other day. I got off the phone. She said, you and the baby have a good rest of the day. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. And the whole time I'm trying to keep her quiet and she's like, she's like you and the baby have a great rest of the day could you imagine three months trying to hide a baby it's crying it's hungry you're trying to feed it you're trying to slip in and out but she did it for three months and then the time came when she knew she had to do something and she put moses in an ark now i could flat preach right here for just a second She put him in an ark, and the word there in the Hebrew is the same for ark, not boat, an ark. Come on, a boat is something that man moves and directs and has to hope that it gets to the right place. Come on, but an ark is something that God moves and directs and knows that it's going to get in the right place. A boat is something where you can get in and you can see all around. An ark is closed and it's dark, but God's doing something on the inside. A boat is something that's out in the open. An ark is something that's hidden from the elements. And I'm here to tell you that God has some of your children hidden in an ark. You've prayed and you've believed God and you've said, I'm putting them in a place. It might be dark right now it might be that you can't see anything but i've got them in my hand and i'm going to take care of them i'm going to lead them and guide them and if you just take your hands off and trust me you're going to see them make it and live and not die somebody ought to thank god for the ark of safety and jacob puts him in this ark and says i'm going to send him to a place that i can trust god And all of a sudden she tells his big sister, I want you, Miriam, come on, this is the same, this is the same Miriam, says, I want you to follow that ark, and I want you just to watch over it. Come on, at times when we feel like we're, our children are out and we have no control, God is sending a messenger that is watching over them. God has somebody in the life of your children that's always looking out for them. When you can't be there, God has sent someone that's watching them. I know for years doing children's ministry, we would go on events and we would go places and there was always that kid that needed a little extra guidance and some of our leaders would just take extra care and extra concern and watching over them and the parents were worried but they little did they know the whole time we were gone so there was somebody that was watching over them that was making sure they had everything in control i remember a little boy that his mother said make sure he changes his clothes he doesn't like to change clothes and we were at camp for five days and he wore the same thing every day i mean he had his camp t-shirt it had layers and layers of dirt on it and he was a he was an outdoors kid so he was he was greasy 
sissy and grimy out there. And I remember the last day of camp, I said, his mother said, make sure he changed clothes. We looked at him. He had on a different outfit every time we saw him. He just was going through his bag and changing clothes, (laughs) putting them on so he could say he wore all of them. But we made sure he changed his clothes. But I'm telling you, God has somebody that has an eye on your children. Aren't you thankful for that? And what was so awesome, as Jacob had went through the, the time, the trust and the test, she's thinking, what am I going to do? And Miriam watches the ark go to Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter sees it, says, what in the world is that? She finds a little baby in there. And Miriam speaks up and says, hey, don't you need a nurse for this baby? Pharaoh's daughter says, you know what? I sure do. She says, I, I'll go get a Hebrew girl that can take care of, of the baby. And she goes and finds Moses' mother. Come on, somebody. And then brings her over. And the Pharaoh's daughter says, I'm going to pay you to nurse this baby that I'm going to keep. Come on, somebody. How many know that God, when you trust him and you sow it as a seed, not only is he going to take care of you, but he's going to bless you in your trusting. Come on, somebody. Here, Jacob could have lost her son, but instead her son gets safety and she still gets to take care of him and get paid and taken care of it. Come on, it's rough being a slave, but how many know it's all right? If I've got to be a slave, I'd rather be a slave in the king's palace. Come on, somebody. And get taken care of and here she was you know what she was doing during that time and back then they didn't wean children until they were three four maybe five years old and so she had all that time with him and you know what she was doing while she had that baby she was speaking over him and she was training him and she was spending time and she was telling him about the stories of joseph there was a young man that lived in the same palace that you live in and you know what god had his hand on him and you know what he did he chose to do the right thing he didn't stand for that he didn't fall to the temptations he stood up for god and you know what he did one day he was able to save his family moses i want you to do the same thing begin to tell him about um noah and the ark begin to tell him about the patriarchs begin to tell him about adam and eve you say well that sounds cool you're just making that up no what did moses write he wrote genesis and how do you where you think he got all that information from he probably remembered his mother telling him these stories And it came back to him. And then when Moses got to the place where he was in power and he realized, I remembered what my mother put in me. And I want you to know the time that you spend, when you sow them as a seed, it's going to come back to them. And God's going to protect and promote them. Somebody say amen. Reminded of Mary, Jesus' mother, a little single teenage mother. Imagine the time of loneliness and not knowing what's going to happen. The time when she felt all alone. time when she felt like people were going to talk about her and people aren't going to accept her. And what's her life going to be like? But all of a sudden, that loneliness turns into trust. And she watches Jesus being used. She watches her life turn around. And then all of a sudden, she had to sow him into the world. Even at a young age. And ultimately sow him into the grave, believing that he'd do just what he said and come back again. And I believe that some of us here today, we've, we've had to release our children. But I just want you to trust 
that God is going to do what he said in their life. And the last mother I want to talk about is you. You that are in here today. Train them up. No matter what stage of life you're on. No matter where you are on the GPS, train them up. Know that God has a divine destination for them. And then let them go. Sow them and recommit to giving them totally to God and trusting him. And know that the time that you spend investing in their life, the time that you have, whether it was as a baby, whether it was as a young child, or whether it's right now, investing in them and speaking over them and spending time with them, whatever time you have, I encourage you mothers, whatever time you're allowed, take it. Some of you say, well, my kids don't, they don't want nothing to do with me. They're too old or I don't have a relationship with them that's so close. Whatever time you have, take it. If it's a five-minute phone call, speak life. If it's an email that you can send, speak into their life. Take that time and trust God. Know that he's going to do what he said he would do. And then watch when the test comes. Know that you're going to pass the test because you're a woman of honor. Just like I said earlier, you're a woman that's selfless. You're a woman that has authority. You're a woman that's full of love. You're a woman that stands up and leads your family in praise. And as you do that, men and ladies, know that God's got a plan for your life. If you're children here, we're all children. And if you still have a mother that's living... I encourage you to invest some time. Get on the phone. Call her. Just sow into her life. Say, Mom, I thank you. Even if you have to think long and hard, something to thank her for, just thank her. Love her. Bless her. And watch what God's going to do. And sow her into God. Without embarrassing her, there was a time when I had to trust and sow my mother to the Lord. And I had to say, God, I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of her. That your plan for her is best. That she's going to follow you. That her life is going to change. And as hard as it was to not rescue and to not go in and not try to make things happen. But to sow and trust God. I see the fruit of it today and I thank God for that. I can remember being in Tulsa, Oklahoma and and watching my pastor, Billy Joe, preach. And on the front row was a bright redhead woman, his mother, Iru Darty, that today is 95 and still working at the church. And I would watch her sit on the front row and I used to sit there and think, man, how awesome would it be to be preaching and have my mother sitting on the front row? And at the time... That was something to laugh at. That was the prospect to laugh at because there's no way it was going to happen. But I held on to the promise. And for the last four years, my mother's been sitting on the front row watching me preach. So I thank God. And I want to encourage you today that whatever God's spoken over you, you trust and believe and you're going to see it come to pass. Amen.